Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Vester from Adlunum, and you are listening to the future of NFTs the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases and dives into what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. All this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the absolutely fascinating guest speakers we speak to each week. Uh, as for Adlunum, we are building the industry's first engaged to earn investment platform with a proof of attention allocation mechanism. Our investor profiles use dynamic NFTs that allows for allocation fractionalization, a mouthful, but it rhymes. So we are especially passionate about the future possibilities that NFTs have to offer. Now, my guest today, very, very happy to be talking to you, Ritesh, co-founder of Wow Talkies, which really he is here to tell us more about. But the idea of fan engagement on Web3 is something that in so many various forms is something I very often talk about. Um, I think in Web3, we have engagement and really that collaborative spirit as a foundation to so many of the projects out there. So it's not just you know the little cherry on the cake, but it's so much more and so much deeper than that. So I'm very excited to be speaking to Ritesh today. He comes from a background of various industries in terms of consulting, product, service-oriented uh, businesses that he's been involved with. He has successfully conceptualized and delivered digitally-driven business transformation initiatives for Fortune 100 organizations, as well as startup strategies and project build-outs at, at emerging organizations. So Ritesh really comes to, from a rich professional corporate startup background. Um, so I'm very happy to be talking to you today, Ritesh, uh, about Wild Talkies. Um, I think that, as I said, it's something that is very, very close to my heart in terms of understanding how this evolution of people coming together and organizing themselves, how this looks like really at every iteration of this unfolding industry. And in the year that we are in 2023, we've really just exited and exited in the sense that it's a new year, a very troubling 2022, when so many issues that have been kind of fermenting and rotting in the industry came to the fore with really big players. So this is really the time for us to sit back and to renegotiate for ourselves as well as for others what it means to be and to build a community and a following in Web3 as the next iteration of the internet. So yeah, let's get started really just to cement where in this conversation you are coming from with Wild Talkies. So please tell me more about what it is that Wild Talkies is about and really also what led you to creating this business in this way. Hey, but thanks for the lovely introduction. We're glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, we've been wanting to do this for quite a while. So, um, but then um, we are hardly 50 days into the new year. So <laughs> it's as good a time as any. 
and um, the new year is just dawning on us. Um, so I've I have built a lot of products and platforms uh, as part of as uh, as a part of uh, great teams. Um, fan engagement on the entertainment side is something that is very close to my heart. Um, ask me anything about Tom Cruise, I'll be able to uh, I will just be able to rattle it from the top of my hat. Uh, ask me about Harrison Ford. Um, well, again, I don't need to look at Google for that. Um, ask me about Game of Thrones. Um, well, I can write a Wikipedia article if I have the time. Um, so yeah, so which is where there has been this uh, motivation um, to to do something which brings fans together as a collective mechanism and as a as a collective. Um, as a community um, around um, engaging on entertainment and movies and things that they love, imbibe, like, um, are very passionate about. Um, uh, me and my team, uh, we did something on the fan engagement side uh, for football fans. This was um, mid of last decade. Um, the property that we conceptualized then um, is now the largest um, media property for football fans across the globe. Um, so we have a bit of experience in doing this. Um, uh, so it was like, um, hey, uh, uh, why not put uh, this into practice um, and build for fan engagement uh, around entertainment and which is where World of Peace was born. Uh, so the idea is that, hey, me and you and the Adelinum team and the World of Peace teams the get together as a community around, um, say, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, and then as part of interacting with each other and with the community and with the platform. Incidentally, we also uh, follow and engage to one model. Um, how can I um, compete in a friendly manner with you, Narja, um, and then proclaim myself to be a super fan uh, of Game of Thrones, um, hopefully quicker than you? And leave you behind, yeah. Mm, uh, in a in a in a respectful um, game game led uh, friendly competition uh, kind of a manner. Uh, so, which is what we are trying to build, uh, and what better place to build it than Web three? Um, me and my co-founder, we've been practitioners on the Web two space for quite a while, um, but then um, what Web three lends itself to this entire thing around multi-sided networks and I believe social networks and multi-sided networks and why um, I mean supply and demand the two sides um, but in this case if you just consider um, the fan engagement piece um, as an example fans um, fans are one, uh, are one are one aspect of the network communities are another uh, stakeholders such as entertainers another, are another uh, platforms is another side yeah so it's um, it's rather it's rather a hexagon or an octagon rather than uh, just a quadrilateral. Um, so, which is uh, and Web three lends itself beautifully to uh, problems uh, that are multi sided uh, because of the self incentivization, uh, transparency, um, the virtuous positive feedback cycle that it imbibes. So, yeah, which is why we are doing what we are, which is why we are doing it on Web three. A long way to go, um, but very passionate about what we're doing. Uh, 2022 was um, it was a great time to build. 
it was challenging from a perspective of uh, uh, capital funding, uh, a lot of noise, um, Web3 crypto being looked down upon. Um, but then the sheer um, uh, zeal and energy that I've seen um, over the last uh, 10 months from April onwards last year, irrespective of um, what is uh, um, colloquially called as the beer market, winter is coming, etc. Um, I mean, um, never seen that over the couple of decades that uh, I have been um, in this building field. So yeah, mm, yeah. Um, a long answer. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you on having never experienced something of this magnitude to this extent in these times or in these type of times before. Um, I wanted to comment on you saying that you're this uh, Game of Thrones super fan. I'm in Croatia at the moment and I visited Dubrovnik and Split, and you know there are filming locations where the series was made. And I I did watch Game of Thrones a, a couple of seasons, but I binge watched, I, I think in season one, I binge watched one to six and I never continued watching. So I'm not a super fan by any means and I barely could recognize the filming location. So I felt like it was so lost on me. <laughs> if only I had been more of a fan, this would have been a much more amazing experience than it was. Um, but you know, it's so interesting, this this line of thinking about, anything from you know a fan to a super fan when we talk about let's say celebrity culture or movie culture for example but the zeal you are referring to of being in web3 and being so committed to building something um even when you know conditions look the way they do it reminded me of the sense you know if you think about why fans of a particular person of a particular idea or creative product, they align their identity so closely with what is being represented. Um, so in terms of the identity building aspect uh, that, that that Wild Talkies is taking, could you talk a little bit more about what kind of people do you envision, especially at this time in the industry? Because I feel, you know, I also come from a non, of course, from a non Web3 background, but I've been in Web3 since 2017. So I've I've seen a lot of evolution, you know, small little evolutions and iterations and pivoting here and going there. And in the process, it's always this chameleon-like identity. And what I'm noticing after the bear market, and it's, I mean, it's not the first bear market. I, I saw this previous times as well, but but almost never as strong as right now, where those who have aligned their personal identity with Web3 in some sense, as opposed to only looking at it. I mean, if we if we take decentralization as a philosophy, people, some some people align themselves with that line of thinking. And therefore, Web3 is like a homecoming. And then you have this concept of you know mass adoption and everyone's going to get onto Web3. And we know that for most of the world, it's not about the technology. So they are not going to come because it's Web3. We need to offer them something so much more above and beyond that. They, they barely need to know that it's Web3. So in you building Wild Talkies, who are you targeting initially? And do you have plans to, 
let's say, broaden out from that initial target audience? Um, is it going to be very Web3 focused or is it only going to be built on Web3, um, but it could appeal you know, to anyone? Yeah. So I think um, uh, there is a contrarian piece here. Um, you were very correct when you said that um, decentralization and, and democracy is our, is our ethos, irrespective of the region um, in the world that we belong to. Um, uh, autocracy and oligopolies are um, have their limited shelf lives. Um, it's been proven through history, um, and uh, we don't um, it doesn't need reminding at all. Um, I think um, I think from that perspective, uh, I mean, I have uh, I've uh, this is my uh, this is my first um, Web three beer cycle, but I've been in the web, in the beer cycles. I mean. Um, from a beer cycle perspective, this is the fifth that I'm encountering. Um, but over the last few years, what I've seen um, in traditional web, uh, which we uh, which we will uh, which we could give the normal as web two, um, this uh, intense aspect about uh, um, decentralization and recognition and individual identity. Um, so if you look at all the short form video platforms. Um, I believe that those are great examples of people like you and me uh, wanting to build an individual identity of their own. That is why we create videos, we take Instagram shots, uh, we put our pictures of uh, where, we are, where we are. Um, you know, we are not being narcissistic there. Yeah? We, we're, just trying to, um, we're just trying to feel happy about what we're doing. Uh, presenting our talents, be con being content creators in some manner, and at the same time having this philosophy of democratically sharing uh, uh, with uh, with everybody. Um, so I firmly believe that this philosophy is ingrained. It is here to stay. Uh, Web two has led us to this cusp where we expect this um, as a matter of fundamentals. Um, and I also believe that um, well, um, as and as um, the infrastructure, the Web3 infrastructure improves, uh, which it is. I mean, um, if you look at um, all internet commerce models, um, commerce follows the infrastructure. Yeah, it's infrastructure first, then it's the application, then it's commerce, and then it's people, or then it's people and then it's commerce. It's a um, it's a chicken and the egg cycle there. Um, but then, um, because the infrastructure has evolved. Um, there are lots. Uh, there are we, and it will it will continue evolving over a period of time. Um, there will be builders who are zealously uh, creating applications um, for people to interact with. Whether you call these applications a decentralized finance um, on the content creation side, NFTs, etc. Um, and as and as these applications get simpler to use, and the infrastructure gets simpler to use. People will not distinguish whether it's a Web 2 model or a Web 3 model. They will just move. Uh, now, for instance, if, uh, uh, if we were to irrevocably um, and transparently say that, hey, guys, uh, here is something that you have, um, do all your fandom here. And as part of that, monetization is very transparent. Um, I mean, uh, it will be foolhardy um, not to expect people to migrate over. I mean, um, people see value. Um, so um, uh, to answer your question, uh, no, to finally answer that question, um, I think um, 
we will see a lot of uh, uh, people on the traditional Web2 world um, moving into uh, reams that we are building. It will not be, uh, it will not be, um, so to say, uh, Web3 aficionados alone. Um, just, uh, just building for Web3 aficionados, we will never, uh, we will never uh, get to scale. Uh, we will never be able to do any uh, fan engagement or any engagement of any kind. Uh, that's now that's not how it works. I'm a great believer that, well, um, infrastructure as infrastructure increases, apps uh, apps come on board. People will see value, and as user experience gets simpler, people won't bother whether whether it's on blockchain or not. <coughs> so many good points there, and I wish I could delve deeper into each one of them but something you said that really stood out for me is this idea that web 2 is what not only in a negative rebellious sense but also a natural evolution you know gave way to web 3 because i think there's one narrative where and this is the narrative that understandably so was pushed very strongly a couple of years ago that web 3 is Robinhood and Web3 is the savior that we are all looking for. And, you know, it's going to be this complete sever with the Web2 world and with the financial industry. And we're going to start over quite utopian. Um, and it was almost as if you had the very highly utopian minds in one camp. And then on the other hand, you had this the other narrative of scammers and people come in to just grab and do as much damage as they can to enrich themselves. So two very extreme points on the spectrum. But if we take a step back and we look at it a bit more moderately in the day-to-day -day evolution of the industry and technology and society, then I think it becomes quite clear that as much as there is, of course, this rebellious element to it, more likely it is, as you say, that society has come to this point where an industry like this was able to be born. So it's not that we are cutting, you know, severing ties with the old. It's really this idea. I mean, this is something that I have been focusing quite strongly on um i'm writing a book ironically on creators in in the web3 uh well i mean in the creator economy but really using web3 and i constantly come across the fact that when i speak to people because i now because of the book i speak to people who have no idea what web3 is far more often than i did before because you know the book comes up in conversation and that that leads to the to the actual uh initial conversation and I've noticed that most people have no idea what Web3 even is, and they feel very daunted by the concept of it. Um, and if you mention a word they've ever heard, I mean, if, if you mention crypto, they know people get rich, but they get scammed. And if you mention NFTs, they know it's something that they completely cannot understand, but it's probably a monkey picture that's digital art. And, and that's the, that's the all round experience that they have with this technology. So I've realized this idea of web 2.5, uh, versus let's dive from web two into web three. It's such a prevalent, uh, a necessary conversation that we all should be having. 
because if we want people to start using the the technology the infrastructure that's been built we shouldn't at the same time place huge barriers between these users and the onboarding that we all know they are going to do at some point so in building wild talkies did you take the approach of if i come onto your platform as a complete newbie a, a fan of game of thrones i mean i'll you know it's never too late to start um and from there i know that i'm using web3 in the general sense but i don't necessarily experience it in the day to day unless it comes to the additional benefits that it offers or alternatively are you requiring users to gain a little bit more of understanding about web3 in order to participate on the platform yeah so interesting question um i will just delve into the uh, into the arguments and the, the excellent argument that you made um about um uh, this transition from one internet model to model to the other um well internet is participated um and there is also this uh, there will always be this cognitive dissonance right we are familiar to what we do um irrespective of our demographics um and then if you ask us to do things in a certain way um, which is very different um then in which case it takes time for anybody even if he or she is an early adopter to evolve um so we will never be able to cut the umbilical cord so to say from one internet model to the other that's not how, how it's going to happen um what we what we also need to figure out and i mean that is um, something that uh, um uh, that web3 needs to i mean um, all the web3 stakeholders need to get together and figure out our regulations um now necessarily from a regulatory perspective there are some things on the user experience that lend uh, friction and dissonance yeah so um, um ideally speaking um um from a fan engagement perspective we are very clear and as i argued earlier um that um, well when you are able to give value uh, a great value proposition um people can contribute comment and then in a very decentralized manner without getting kicked out of, of the platform for things that they don't know best what they got kicked out of uh, they can um move up um a so called uh, fan board ladder and figure out as to how they are doing so rather than being at the mercy of algorithms um people will definitely adopt yeah um but then i think we will um, we will stay um uh, for a good period of time uh, also because of regulations also because of infrastructure where um we will likely not be able to um so to say um obviate what is under the hood um 6 to 8 months later possibly yes it's also a perspective of regulations um um for example um in many parts of the world um governments are um, so to say very sensitive about the people using um what they define as cryptos rather than um, i mean nfts might not have anything to do with cryptos per se but still i mean um which is why um, they would require a certain amount of uh, diligence to be done on the users um stuff like that um so yeah the um, the long term vision definitely is um that you and me interact with the platform without figuring out as to what's happening under the hood um, and then you and me are participants in the process because we own a stake on the platform um and then uh, we make it super easy 
for you and me to figure out as to why we um, reached a certain change if we have. Um, I like this analogy about emails. So emails, I think, are were the were the first decentralized application. And then they started. Any book, anybody could create a Gmail account, right? Nobody, it was not prohibitive at all. Um, and then um, you wouldn't get uh, get kicked out of Gmail or Yahoo. You were there. It is just that, um, uh, and you're not bothered as to where your email is. It's in some server somewhere. It's controlled by Google, but nevertheless. Um, and then um, over a period of time, there is this uh, truth and provenance around, well, if there's a certain uh, mail conversation, you look at the mail trails and you're able to figure out that, that hey, this is how this has transpired over the period it has. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, we need to move on Web3 with the same uh, ease of use. Um, we will get there. Slowly but surely. Um, you, you said something really interesting that I want to kind of take a bit of a dive into. Um, in terms of... Web3 is so much about sense, uh, a lack of, you know, freedom from, let's say, censorship of information. Um, and that's a huge selling point, at least for many in theory, uh, even if it's not necessarily being practiced as yet. But I'm very curious. Um, so if you, if you think about the idea that so much of Web2 is platform censorship, and this might be because, you know, there are terms and conditions or it might be because the algorithms are in a certain way designed to promote certain you know, interactions in certain ways at certain times, et cetera. So that, 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 those two considerations being considered and at the same time using an example, because I wanna kind of go into the fan aspect a little bit more. Um, if you know about the uh, recent Hogwarts Harry Potter game that's been released and J.K. Rowling has for quite some time now been highly criticized by the trans community because she's come out as very transphobic. And now people are, you know, kind of rallying together to boycott the game in order to promote the trans community. So this for me is an example of just a fan base where there can be a huge schism and as a platform that engages with fans and you have this philosophy of you know not censoring information and not using algorithms to benefit the platform as opposed to the user how do you see web3 navigate these waters um what is the where's the limit where's the limit where you say you know these are the platform terms and conditions and these are things that cannot be posted on there versus saying you know what this is completely decentralized it's so, so where, where do you draw the line so it's a difficult question um and a very interesting one as well um i would be amazed if somebody had a straight answer for this um but, but nevertheless um i think when we think about um uh, fan engagement and fans talking about what they espouse so i was saying we're still building and we don't claim to have all the answers of um uh, of how uh, we will uh, face such circumstances of um, well um, being um, uh, being empathetic to a certain cause, uh, but at the same time not um, being looked as being prohibitive 
or autocratic um, uh, and uh, uncommunity-like, so to say. Um, but then um, I'm a firm believer that ultimately it is the collective wisdom of the crowd that will rule. Um, we will push and prod. Um, so essentially, um, well, um, in many manners, it is um, it is the. Um, I mean, uh, we see that in we see that in uh, daily practice, right? Uh, uh, whoever shouts the loudest um, prevails a lot of times, um, and that's the way of the world. We need to accept it. Um, so we um, we as a team uh, we will push and we will um, diligently push and prod from a perspective of uh, saying that hey, uh, for example, um, if there was um, something that was uh, uh, racial vitriol um, or something that was transphobic, um, something that is not accepted as um, as uh, norms of uh, accept acceptable behavior. And the system is decentralized. We are we are hoping and assuming that um, in in a majority of the cases, um, the community will have the power and the wherewithal uh, to just say that, hey, guys, um, enough is enough. Um, it is an engaged to earn model. Everything is manifested as far as um, your scores are concerned. Uh, so do you, so these are um, the. You know, the negative consequences that you have to bear it is moderated by the community. Yeah. So people as community moderators, um, communities are community moderators which are elected by the people. Um, so that should take care of um, of such extreme cases. Um, um, if it does not, not so sure as to how we would handle it. Um, I would like to think that if um, if um, vitriol crosses a line, um, uh, then in which case. Um, uh, we might need to prod the community moderators to intervene, um, whatever that uh, whatever that means. Um, in cases where we think that there are these causes that we need to be empathetic about, um, um, we will be community moderators ourselves. We will create those community groups and invite people and say that, hey, listen, um, here's something that we should be doing. For, ex for example, there is uh, um, this devastation in Turkey. Um, well, um, we will take the initiative in saying that, uh, well, let's create, uh, while it is nothing related to fan engagement at all, but uh, man, um, we will create a corollary to say that, hey, this movie was uh, filmed in Turkey, these are the locations, um, there has uh, been this devastation um, in this country, so let's get together and do something about it. So that's the broad philosophy that we will follow. Um, I think uh, we will know more than the rubber hits the road. But I, I love this idea of community mobilization as something that you are able to do because of the way that you are building the community in general. So people know that this is a space where, you know, they're able to come to receive X, Y, Z, that th these are the things that they want, that makes them feel happy, that makes them feel a sense of belonging because this is part of their, of their identity. And then to interject this daily experience, and especially considering the engaged to earn model, which I mean, as you know, Adlunum has as well. So, so we know that people will come onto the platform on an almost daily basis, because if you are 
wanting to engage and in our case get your engagement score up so that you are able to get allocation in 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 uh, public sales then we know that they will be there on a daily basis which means that as a platform you have a certain amount of influence that you are able to direct in you know, many different directions so this idea of being able to mobilize a community because you already have the community, I think that's something that's very powerful um, and definitely something that is not spoken about enough. Um, because in Web3, we very often talk about the community as everything. But what does it mean on a day-to-day, -day, very practical, very tangible, but at the same time also... Uh, evolutionary basis where is this taking the very concept of human relationships in a professional in a semi-professional in a personal context because it is changing the way that people think it's changing the way that people interact so it's not just a fad or a trend that comes and goes but it really changes fabric of society in a sense because uh, we cannot go back from here so very very interesting to take that line of thought and ask you what is your approach and your philosophy to community as we talk about it in web3 a large group of people you know generally using a platform that uses web3 technologies such as wild talkies what is the best approach to take um because there's on the one hand the hype cycle and as long as you are hyped up that's great and you're going to get you know all the investors and but but it's very often completely unsustainable many of these hyped projects they are over you know one hit wonders and 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 sometimes they even make off with the cash so it's not necessarily that hype means utility and and this is something that i think this bear market has again drove home um, so when you are building the Wild Talkies community and also just thinking about Web3 building uh, in terms of community in general, how do you think, what is the best approach for projects to take to get these, I'll, I'll call them loyal users, uh, you know, as an umbrella term? Yeah, so I think um, you raised, um, you, you raised um, many interesting points. Um, but let me take the let me step back a bit. Uh, step step back a bit. Um, I think a very interesting point that you made was um, from a perspective of uh, Web three changing societal behaviors. So I think the biggest contribution of Web three um, to our um, to our to our living beings. I mean, living uh, living being not as a noun, but we as living beings uh, as a society. I think Web three will be a harbinger to societal change. Um, uh, uh, with uh, with uh, with its inherent community building, decentralization, um, with everybody um, being in charge of their behavior, so to say, um, and being in charge of the destiny, being able to create content, being able to monetize, uh, being able to control their identity, um, and then whatever I do over a period of time becomes a part of my decentralized identity. Um, for anybody to see, so I can't masquerade as somebody else on Twitter uh, while I'm somebody else, uh, while I'm somebody completely different in real life. Um, so I think over a period of time, uh, Web3 will be a great agent for societal change. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, 
I think from an, I think from a project perspective, uh, there were two questions that you brought up. Um, uh, how does a project create tangible value? Um, and a tangible value might not be in terms of um, my tangible value might not might not just be in terms of revenue. Yeah. Um, but then how can a, can a project such as ours create tangible value that can be measured um, for anybody who's a stakeholder, a stakeholder can be an investor as well. Um, I look at the problem in, um, in a couple of ways. Uh, so I think um, an audience is, uh, is us looking at a stage um, and imbibing whatever is being given on the stage. Um, whereas the community is, uh, well, all of us sitting together in a circle over chairs. Uh, and imbibing what each other have to say. Yeah. Um, so I think in some manner as a platform, if you're able to demonstrate that, that communities have been built um, and the um, normal of building the communities, hey, are we sitting across each other? Uh, we have affinity towards each other, towards the community first, and then toward the celebrity and the entertainment cause that we are espousing, um, which is where I think um, there will be actual um, proof of the pudding in um, the community building aspects. Right? Now, how do we measure them? Um, they, uh, then those could be measured in engaged one fundamentals, um, things around um, uh, how much is the daily active usage base, uh, um, what is the activity level of users. I mean, you could use a lot of um, uh, web to uh, measurements. Uh, and you can seamlessly use them in, use them in, in this fundamental as well. Um, and if we do it well, um, then in which case um, the, uh, the harder fundamentals such as revenue, total value lack, total value lack, not, not lack, locked, <laughs> locked will follow. Yeah. Um, it's very logical. It's happened before. It will happen again. Um, from a perspective, uh, the second part of the question was, uh, well, how do you um, how do we get this going? Um, uh, from uh, uh, our experience uh, uh, in building uh, and um, in building products with network effects, and also in our daily life um, using products that have network effects, um, uh, I firmly believe that it is the supply side that is more important than the demand side. Uh, so I, for once, will congregate um, to uh, an Amazon or somebody that um, that does uh, commerce delivery um, as uh, a customer on the demand side. Um, if uh, there is a surfeit of supply options that are like on the supply side, right? So if I were the network, if I were the platform, then uh, I need to solve the supply side question first. Um, so well. Um, I think um, from that perspective, um, we will solve, we will try and solve the supply side fundamentals first. So, um, so what do we do there? Um, maybe, uh, maybe we will create, maybe, uh, maybe we'll create communities of our own. Uh, we will regurgitate those communities. Uh, we will um, go out and uh, and um, and uh, talk to entertainers and say that, hey, uh, listen, we are trying to do this. This is what. Um, um, is the advantage that you get? Um, would you uh, want to attach yourself to the cause? Um, 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 in many manners, we might end up creating some content um, in order to 
in order to obviate the cold start problem uh, in, in, at the beginning. Um, uh, but if we are able to solve the supply side question, I think um, then the demand side question will solve will solve will solve itself. Yeah, that's what I firmly believe. Yeah, interesting, interesting times, because I think we are really, as you said, standing on the precipice of a shift, a fundamental shift in, in thinking and in consciousness almost about around how businesses uh, utilize technology. Um, and I think there's something that is completely not as apparent to the general population, um, because you really have to stand in the industry uh especially i mean if you if you are in an industry that's already looking to web3 it might be a component of your job although we now see that i mean salesforce for example has you know a ded person dedicated to nfts and shopify does and so you really see brands incorporating this idea around web3 into their everyday businesses but especially if you are fully immersed in web3 um, I mean, if I take myself as an example, we talk to an endless amount of projects at, at Lunum. Then I speak to people like you on podcast and through my book, I'm speaking to a lot of people. So I feel like I have so many kind of entry points into different layers and, and, and levels of thinking about Web3 as the next, you know, XYZ. And what's so apparent is how deeply entrenched you need to be to understand the seismic shifts that are happening right now. Um, I always feel so privileged to be able to see this because, I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, you walk outside in the sun and you are just like everybody else, but only you know that you just won the lottery, you know, that kind of feeling. Um, it, it's a very privileged feeling to have. Um, because I see the way that things are going and I know kind of where they are going to based on what I'm seeing. But at the same time, it's a very difficult industry to be in because as we were saying earlier, I mean, you 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 mentioned to someone, you mentioned the word NFT and, and all of a sudden that cognitive dissonance completely sets in and, you know, you can't talk to them any further because now they know nothing about what you're saying and it's completely not understandable. So I would love to hear why are you here now? What led you in your journey and your trajectory, personally, professionally, that at this time, this is the industry that you are in and this is the solution that you are building? Why the conviction? So as I, as I narrated at the beginning of the conversation, inveterate movie fan, um, love building. Um, and that is the same. Um, I, I can speak to my co-founder. I can speak for my co-founders as well. Uh, they, they, they share the same philosophy as me. Um, they will give you the same answer. Um, so um, uh, let me step back a bit. Um, so we uh, we were always on the consulting side, and we were con uh, we consulted for a lot of people. Um, enterprises across the globe on their social media strategies, what they should do on the mobile. It was called SMAC, uh, SMAC, uh, Social Mobile Analytics and Cloud. Um, and we built great businesses, um, but uh, but for other enterprises, not for ourselves. Um, and then, um, um, as I mentioned, 
um, we started working for this uh, for this project, uh, which was for football fans. Um, which is when we realize the sheer amount of, uh, I mean, uh, when we are a part of social media, we are um, uh, we are in it more from a more from a vicarious perspective. Um, we know there is something lacking, uh, but then at the same time, um, hey, um, we are here. We are. Um, it is taking uh, so um, uh, whatever uh, whatever we do in our. Uh, in our discretionary time, uh, we're spending some 15 minutes on Twitter, uh, 15 minutes on something else, um, maybe looking at, um, at, uh, at 10 minutes on, um, on Instagram, stuff like that, right? So it's uh, all of them are laying claim to our, uh, to our time, so to say. Um, when we started building for football fans is when we realized the sheer amount, the sheer extent of um, disenfranchisement so though there was no way that in in a web two way of building we could have uh, we could have um, competed with the monoliths um, being where we are and who we are, um, it was um, it was an impossible problem to solve. Um, now um, the web three genesis is from um, I mean web three started to be known as web three and they were uh, and and we, you could see as proof points on web three somewhere somewhere in the late 2020s. Um, so my, um, as technologists, we knew about blockchain from 2016, 2017. Um, but then when we saw that, well, um, these are the possibilities and people are um, nibbling away at these possibilities and um, being fairly successful at doing so, we realized that, hey, um, this is the only way that uh, we can solve this problem to a reasonable extent. Um, so we started building on Web2 in um, uh, when the beer marketed. Um, I mean, um, our, our, our investors, we, uh, we, have, we have angel investment. Um, they were like, um, uh, what's happened? Um, have you flipped your lid? Um, there, there are these negative connotations around um, anything that is related to crypto, Web3, etc. Uh, the market is bad, macroeconomic conditions are bad, and then you are trying to do something um, uh, that is not mainstream anymore. Uh, that is not not anymore is not the right word. That um, not mainstream at this point of time. Um, uh, but then we were faced with the question that hey, if we don't start doing it then, then in which case uh, and wait for the market to solve itself, uh, we would never do it. Um, so which is why we said um, we jumped headlong and said that uh, well. Uh, um, we will uh, we will swim to our uh, to our best. We'll cross the bridge when we come to it. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the only way. This is the right way to do it. Yeah, yes. I mean, hats off, hats off to you that you continue building because I think for me this was so palpable the difference between. So, so I've been consulting with uh, you know back then we didn't call it Web three, um, but but you know the blockchain slash crypto. Uh, startup world i mean for for many years now and have worked with different startups in different capacities so i also have of course seen the difference between a bear market uh complete hibernation of anyone who can't get a quick fix you know it's if i can't raise funds now then well i'll wait until uh until the bull market um and it's completely different caliber of i mean not to say that startups can function without funding, but 
sometimes as a founder, you are almost forced to bootstrap if you are going to you know, build a certain product, a certain company at a certain time. Um, but I know how difficult it is because, I mean, we, we work as an investment platform. We work with projects that everyone's waiting to launch in the bull market, but there's so much at the back of the launch in terms of building. And what is quite incredible is whereas previously you only needed an idea and that would be enough to get you funding. And that was the insane craziness of the time. And, you know, this this happens every so often when the market is at its best slash worse, because it really is in the eye of the beholder, whether it's actually so good. Um, in that sense, everyone is there. But when it comes to the bear market and well now there's no funding coming in it's only you and time and are you going to use this time to build something that you can show the world or are you going to use the time to wait for better times um so very interesting to you know kind of hear from your perspective as well coming in from a different industry but taking the same approach and going no i believe in this but now is not the time however let's do the other things in the meantime um, so to close off, yeah, any final words? Um, and also, please tell us where to reach you. Uh, where are you most active on a daily basis uh, if people want to follow you? So, Matt, um, I'm, um, I'm reasonably active on LinkedIn. Um, I juggle my, um, my, my uh, social apps, Discord, Telegram, WhatsApp. <laughs> reasonably active on Telegram as well. Um, don't do a lot of tweeting. Um, would love to. Um, but then um, there is only so much time in a day. So um, uh, most of the time is spent in building and solving problems. Uh, don't get a lot of time to, uh, to tweet, so to say. Um, but um, uh, do reach out to me on Twitter. It's um, R-I-T-K-N-T-3. That's my Twitter handle. Um, that's, my, that's my Telegram handle as well. The page count is my, um, is my uh, introduction on LinkedIn. Um, so, uh, just on your question, uh, not uh, question, not the right for just on your narration. We debated long and hard um, when we said that, hey, let's start building on Web3. We had this great idea and we had built on Web2, so we knew as to what were the mistakes that we were doing and when we should not repeat in the Web3. Uh, so, we had this great debate on whether we, could, we should raise on the idea um, or we should bootstrap a bit more and raise with a minimum with an MVP. And all of us co-founders, after the end of the debate, uh, um, homogeneously decided that um, we would be confident um, raising more, um, raising um, when we have an MVP. And that is the amount of confidence that we will be able to give to the investors as well. Uh, so that mattered more to us. I mean, um, we've been in, say, in the sales and consulting profession. Um, uh, we were fairly uh, confident and okay to uh, raise funds on an idea as well. We've done that. Um, but then we said that, hey, um, we will have more confidence to say that, well, uh, the drawbacks that we thought were, at, were on Web2 um, are solved in Web3 to, the, to this extent. And then in the beer market, we'll be able to give that confidence to the investor as well, which is why we built and did not raise it in an idea. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think as concluding remarks, um, Web3 is a great agent to societal change. Uh, market, cycles, market cycles will come and go. Um, speculation of any kind is healthy. 
because uh, it is with speculation that uh, people build and investment comes in and people build more. Um, so while um, speculation has this negative connotation around people profiting, etc., but not, not really, I think speculators need to be revered, uh, eulogized. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, um, wherever there are these um, multi-sided networks, um, for as a solution to a problem, uh, go ahead, just build it on Web3. Um, with a reasonable um, modicum of confidence, I will say that um, that's the recipe to success. Well, thank you so much. I think that is the perfect way to conclude today's conversation. Um, yeah, absolutely lovely to have spent this time with you. I think that so much of what you are saying is really the zeitgeist of the time um and it's amazing to be able to have this conversation and to know that all over the industry and society this is taking place and it's only really through conversations like this that it becomes so much more apparent um yeah so thank you so much it was amazing to connect with you and i look forward to seeing what is going to happen with with wild talkies uh, in the coming months and in the coming years. Um, I mean, this is really just the beginning and there's so much room for so much more and in so many different directions. So let's see how it goes. Thank you, Ritesh. Yeah, lovely to connect. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me over. Uh, this was wonderful. I've not spoken so much about um, society and philosophical, societal change and philosophies for a long period of time. We just talk about um, this is what we are building, this is why we're building, this is, these are the features. Take, uh, this is what we see as traction. <laughs> this is what we will be six months down the line. And we talk hard facts and figures. Uh, so this was a lovely conversation. No, I agree. It's it's so important to take a step back um, and to really just, from a meta point of view, reflect on you know where you are, why you're there, and where you're going. Uh, so it was it was amazing. Um, so yeah, look forward to the next time. And where, where, whereabouts are you based? Where where are you now? Uh, we are based out of India, in the southern part of India, a place called Chennai. Okay, I know Chennai. I've been to Chennai. So uh, it's quite late for you already. So I'm going to wish you yeah, a good evening then. <laughs> Cheers, Ritesh. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.